God said, let there be light. And there was. And if I'm image and likeness, what comes out of my mouth must be image and likeness. And I just really roll with that. I don't, I, I stick with my faith in that, that if it says I made an image and likeness, everything about me is image and likeness. And it says all things are good in God. Good. So if I speak good about myself, then I'm image and likeness. I must recoup what the good is if I'm speaking it into existence. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today, our guest is Timothy Burns, uh, entrepreneur, uh, professional sports player, basketball player, I guess you could say. And you, I think you do a lot more than that, but that's kind of the, the what I know of you in the short time that we have gotten to chat a few times. So I'm really excited to have you here. And can you just uh, tell us a little bit where you're from, what took you there, and um, a little bit about what you do? Okay. Uh, so... I live in Phoenix, Arizona currently, and uh, journey here started back in Michigan. I'm from uh, from Detroit area, and um, I did what most kids do. I did what my parents say do. I went to school. I tried to get a good education. I tried to do the things that they asked me to do. And um, as I was going through school, I really didn't have a plan. But the plan found me, as always, you know, in the, in the journey. And uh, I used to, I, I would be late for class and one day I had um I had detention and when I came around the corner it was the basketball coach and he said where you been I was like I don't know and he, he said he wanted me to show the practice and when he showed up when I showed up it was it changed my life and from that point on everything that I set my mind to actually came to fruition and uh I just really just followed the path of listening and we that that's the part that that most people try to do, but they only hear what's from inside, maybe something negative, but I would listen closely and I just followed the path and that turned that turned into a, a four-year college scholarship. Um, I ended up being like ranked in the nation at one point. None of the stuff that I ever even gold or dreamed about it just was something that happened. And uh, I just took every opportunity that was given me. I never said no. And not saying no turned into getting my degree end up getting my first degree in uh, criminal justice. And then I ended up getting my second degree in, in, in business. And I was doing all that while I was playing professional basketball, which uh, a coach of mine turned that on to junior college. And he said that this is, was a possibility. So I, I just shot for it, literally shot. <laughs> I shot at my shot and um, it worked out. And uh, I ended up enjoying myself for about six and a half years of traveling and seeing different things. And uh, I ended up getting injured and that injury changed my whole life. And inside that, that change, it was a shift. And that shift had me point to the inner self for me and start really looking at myself. And uh, inside of that, it turned into saying yes to every opportunity again, as I, I come here and life was bringing me down and I finally got to the point, I looked at myself and I said, you know what, how how were you able to have the success you had so early on in life? And I was like, I listened and I listened to my inner self and I listened to the voice that says, keep going. And long story short, I ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. My agent was here. He brought me here and turned into a business. It turned into a career, it turned into a life here, and then I end up meeting you, and here I am. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So you told me you played professional sports overseas a bit. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like as far as traveling overseas and kind of experiencing different cultures, maybe, if you will? Mm. Uh, okay. What was, the, what was the biggest thing that that spending time over there taught you? about yourself and and differences in, in cultures that we may experience here or you know Europe or and, and as well as other countries. 
Okay. Uh, that's a great, great thing uh, that I, I would love to talk about this part because it changed my life. Uh, it changed my life in a way that was completely, I was completely oblivious. So I was in my 20s, early 20s, and uh, I got this opportunity, this grand opportunity to go over and play. And um, I got all excited. I, I go to traveling. I was in Copenhagen, Denmark for my first trip over. And I was just really excited about being there, seeing the culture and all these things and being American, you know, and new and only having American culture. I was completely unequipped for when I traveled. And, and so when I got there, uh, my first day, I went downtown uh, Copenhagen. I'm walking around and and it started getting dark and I had a piece of paper that had my address. But it was in a different language. And so I'm walking around and I'm like, looking and it's getting dark. And I was like, well, I better get home. And so as we all do, and that, and this is where I, I try to stress to people, as we all do, we go looking for what we identify. So I'm walking around, I'm lost, and we, I'm in survival mode because I'm in a country where I don't speak the language, I'm brand new. So I try to, so we, I gravitated towards what I thought at the time was someone that I can identify with. And it was two younger Black a uh, girl and guy walking. And I was like, and they were dressed like me and they were young like me. So I'm like, okay, we can have a conversation. So I walked over and I said, excuse me, hey, I'm lost. Could you help me get to the bus? And this is the greatest, this is what a crazy experience I ever had. It was the greatest experience. They looked at me, looked at each other, shook their head and say, no English? Blew my mind. Blew my mind. I had no idea. And I'm like, how? And as soon as they said that no English, I'm like, how am I going to get home? And I was like, I guess I'm going to sleep out here. So I went back to this fountain I was sitting on. This fountain was beautiful. It was this round, big round fountain water coming out. And it was gold. It's made out of gold. Most of the statues are they have gold, like made out of gold. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking around. I must have looked confused and lost because a couple minutes later, a little English lady walks up to me and she say, pardon, you look lost. I was screaming, I am. Thank you so much. She said, tis no problem. Come with me. And we had this, we were walking and talking and it wasn't nothing real major, but we just having a conversation of people. And she was like, just telling me, oh, it's great that you're here. Check this out. Check this out. Walk me to my bus. And she offered me a biscuit, a cookie. And I, I declined. But it was, this conversation was so... It didn't have no substance to it other than being humanist to each other. She put me on the bus and I got home. And when I got home, I let myself in and I sat on the couch. I sat on the couch for three hours. I didn't turn on the TV. I just stared at the wall and I contemplated. Nine times out of 10, I would have made the same judgment call. I went to the same couple nine out of 10 times. Why? Because I was so used to being and seeing seeing what I relate to versus being what I relate to. And that's what that's kind of what we do sometimes. I seen it and I thought I related to it, but I didn't. And, and inside of that, I had to, it was a paradigm shift for me. Everything happened. And when I was sitting there, this is what happened. I don't share this with too many people because some people really don't understand. And the voice came over and it was really low, but it said, Every man is a golden link in the chain of your beard. This came from something I read before, but, and, and I'll see, repeat again, it said, every man is a golden link in the chain of your beard. Okay. So at that point, every man is what? The golden link to a chain of your good. Okay. And so I was, I sat there and, and I've, I've kind of held that philosophy in my life. And that, that's what changed me. When I came back over, I, it, was, it was a beautiful experience to listen and learn and hear of other people doing things in their life, and you can't even speak the language. And, and what I learned also is I was coaching over there, and the children are not, the children then at that time didn't start, start school until they were seven years old. So they weren't even introduced to English. So I was coaching. I had a, I had a class of 25-year-olds. It was the greatest one. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. It was one of the greatest experiences I had because I literally was coaching these children and we were doing sign language and talking to each other through body language and our eyes. We never spoke because they didn't speak really? English. 
So it was the, it was this connection of people and having this experience that didn't have words, but it was it had the greatest feeling ever. So that was one of my that was a couple of my experiences when I had, and it's always been a spiritual connection. So you turned me onto the book uh, Navelle Goddard, and I want to talk a little bit about that. And prior to you getting a hold of that book, I don't know what age you found that book, but like, what was your belief system like? Did you still visualize things? Did you journal? Did you write stuff out? Or what do you think was the the link that like that that led you to do all these things that you wanted to do was it something that just happened upon you more so than you you visualizing it or was this a, a part of you as a younger self kind of I know you said that basketball kind of happened to you but you yes. never had seen yourself play basketball before like you never thought about that it, it wasn't until I was uh, I was I was a junior college all American. And I didn't even know that. I was, one of the guys, we were in a gym, and he told me my name was in the book. I never looked. I didn't know. I just, I literally put my head down and just went. And so this, this journey started when I was 19 years old. And I, one day, it was Mother's Day. Mother's Day, uh, this is whatever my mother, mother Day was in. And I woke up, and I just wanted to go, I wanted to go to church. I just want to go to church. Now I, I called my sister and I said, Hey, let's go. Me and her and my niece at the time, we went and I had never been there before ever. And it was in my community and we went and it was packed. There was people everywhere. This lady gets up and she starts to do the announcements for the church, right? And we were sitting there and then this lady says, there's a young man here that I'm, I'm supposed to meet. Now, everybody's looking around like, who's she talking about? This lady was up there for 12 to, 12 to 15 minutes. She was there. Nobody got up. And she said, I know you're here. I'm not leaving here until you raise your hand. And we're all sitting there, standing there. And this was my experience. And this is what changed everything. This happened to me when I was 19 years old. I looked over at her. And this, this church was packed. I'm talking about the seats, the pews. Everyone was sitting elbow to elbow. It was packed. I looked over at her and I kind of looked off to the corner. Everyone in the church disappeared, except for me and her. It was it was a cloud. I, it, it, I know this sounds it sounds what it sounds. It was a cloud, and I was looking over her when nobody there but me and her. And she was she wasn't looking at me, but she said, "I know you here." And I'm sitting and sitting, and I'm like, I'm not raising my hand because now I'm freaked out. I'm like, "What's happening here?" Right. And um, I sat for a couple of minutes and I kind of looked over and she said, just raise your hand. I'll come get you. And I was like, that's weird. And I was all this whole thing. And I looked over to my right and my hand was in the air. And I asked myself, why is my hand in the air? I said, and I was staring at it, staring at my hands quickly. Everybody came back in the church and the lady was standing there and Every the rest of it was a blur, but that was how all this happened. So, and and I just literally start following what I was listening to, and a lot of people don't listen to themselves. That's the that's that's the one thing we don't. We, human beings are the only creatures on the planet that ask another creature, a human being, what's good for us. We and we're the only ones that do it. You go to, if you go to the woods, the bear don't ask the deer, hey, can I, can I eat you? It just goes and gets it. We, they don't ask each other, it just is. And we're the only, we're the only species with the mind created to do whatever we want. Because it does say image and likeness. But we ask other human beings what's best for us instead of asking ourselves. So, so why is that? Why do you think that is? Trust ourselves enough to to go within, so we have to look outward, or what? So, this is this this is where I, we kind of got in our conversation. So, tools. It's the tools that we're given when we're born. So, think about it this way: when you're born, both your mom and your dad gave you a toolbox when you were born. You didn't know you was carrying it around. You have no idea that you got it, but it's a toolbox. And that toolbox consists of whatever tools they have. 
I like to say it's a screwdriver, a hammer, and a monkey wrench, because that's usually what happens once you start using the tools. You either start banging on it, twisting on it, or you have a monkey wrench, and you just throw it in there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So these tools are passed on to us, and it's passed on in our feelings, how we feel about ourselves. So our, pa our parents praise us, our coaches praise us, our teachers praise us. And then we get into our social settings with our friends and the personal relationships. And that's when our tools come out. They don't come out when we're in school because we're told to just follow the blueprint of school. Do this, do that, you finish. But when we get into our interpersonal relationships, say first relationships, first things, first things happen. Who are we then? You might be mom and dad because those are the only tools that we have. Now, depending on how your mom and dad handle stress, it's how you will handle stress. And that's that's where the tools come from. So we we start to eat at ourselves. Like, you know, well, you cut, you comb your hair, or you brush your teeth, and you're like, this hair's out of place. Why? Why do we critique ourselves? And that's self-destruction. Just a little bit of the critiquing. And that turn that snowball. So year after year. So you hear it. So I, I, I like to use this. We're on hear mode. We're hearing for the first two years in the womb. From the time of conception, you're only hearing. You hear your parents' conversations. You're hearing love. You're hearing whatever's going on. And inside of that, the baby is in a, in a circle of echoes. If you really, and only listen. So think about it like this. When you see a kid and they're talking for the first time, you go, blah, 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 and they're like, who are they talking to? They're actually having conversations from what they heard just was mumbled because they were in the, in the womb. That's my thought. Now, I'm not saying this is true. This is just something I came up with. Now, as the child gets older, it starts to repeat things. Now, depending on how the mother feels about themselves and what she's been saying about herself for 10 months, what the dad has been saying about himself and what they've been saying about each other gives the baby, when born, an automatic toolbox that it will use once able to speak. Prime example. My son, who's now 18, who's just graduated from high school, uh, I was washing dishes. He hadn't spoke yet. And I was washing dishes and I was in my, I was still playing basketball and I was still in a different self of who I am now. I'm washing dishes and, and I dropped the, I dropped the glass on the, on the, on the ground. It didn't break, but I said, ish. I just said, it. I just said that. And sure enough, his first words, he started running around saying, itch, 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 itch. I was like, no, <laughs> right? And I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, wow. That dawned on me that it is a repeat. So if that's a repeat, what are we repeating that our parents did? What, what are we repeating that they said to themselves that we now tell ourselves? And I think that's where it comes from. I think it comes from not defining who you truly are and keeping the definition that you were given when you were a kid, which is a kid. So how does one then, when, you know, we're being programmed as kids, let's say from two years old to six years old, when we can somewhat reiterate what's being said to us, maybe. How does one find their true self within that once they step outside in their own social circles, like you were saying, what would your advice be to someone that says, well, you know, this is what I was always taught, but... I don't know if it's right, whether it's Christianity, politics, or any other thing, and, and they're just going with what they've been told, but they don't know whether or not they believe it. So what? how does one then go and find that truth for themselves? Okay, so I like to use redefining, because going back to that, going back to what I just said, think about it like this. Every, every word from your vocabulary to the time of six years old comes from who? Mom, dad, or other. Mm -hmm. It's defined for you. Pastor, friends, whatever. Whoever, right? It's defined for you. So they may give you a word that they never looked up. They just have a definition from society. You're giving it. And then you live your life from that little definition until you redefine who you are. It's a redefinition because you can't be something else if you already have a definition for it. But if the, if the vessel is already full, how can you put something else in it? So in order to do that, you must clear all of it, redefining. So what I did was, this tool I did, I literally start looking at how my mom, what is your almost definite sure future? 
look at your parents, and if you haven't changed what they've done, you will repeat what they have done. Mm-hmm. That's your almost that you're going to repeat it. So if you're going to repeat it, how do I redefine that? And in that redefinition, I had to really look at myself. I had to look at myself and say, what does this mean? So I was, and one thing I was trying to get away from, and this people struggle with this, is old definitions of yourself. I used to be a basketball. In my mindset, I am a professional now. I'm just a professional. I was a professional basketball player, so that means I'm a pro in the things that I do. I know how to be a pro. Now, every person that was in my life at the time only seen me as Tim, the basketball player, only. And it was difficult for me because I was injured, and I was no longer Tim, the basketball player, mentally. But I was being defined as that every day. And inside, I struggled. I I struggled with it to the point where I was doubting myself. Because if I can no no longer play basketball, who am I? And so, and I I read somewhere that most people don't shift until they have to, until there's something that's major in their life that creates the shift. And so for me, by the way, what's that? down what you're saying by the way yeah and so it's I'm shit not looking away, i'm writing this out i got hey I got, i'm with you i got mine i'm waiting <laughs> <laughs> so in the shift in the shift i'm like okay who do i want to be and now when i was playing so i i, I I'm, I'm gonna share something with you inside the basketball world so when i was playing it was called hoop dream everybody wanted to play but everybody didn't have a skill Okay. And when I played overseas, you were only allowed one American on a team. So it was dog eat dog. If you had a bad game, it was nothing to get sent home that day. They would send you home and replace you. Competition. There it was so it, the competition was so heavy, so heavy that you had to perform. Wow. Now, being in that environment. And you, you have to eat. And it's survival. Because if you want to be there, you have to outplay everyone. And it creates you to be a certain type of person. And I had to define, I had to do all of that. I had to redefine even my attitude towards other human beings. Because my job was to, if you're in front of me, you're not getting my job. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn how to change and shift that dynamic and redefine myself. I wanted to be a business guy. And so I just, when I was playing ball, I was in grad school at the same time. So I was getting my master's degree while I was playing. So I, I had a backup plan, but I'm going to tell you something about that black, that backup plan. It shifted the way I went and I, my life changed. And I realized this. Think about it like this. Take a pie. And I'm just going right back to what you're saying about definition. Take a, a pie of your favorite dessert. Cut it in half. Now you're like, oh, that's gonna be real good with some ice cream. Oh, that's gonna be great. Cut it in four. You're still like, that's gonna be pretty good. Right. Cut it in another four, that's eight. Another four, 16. Another four, 32. And another times four. Keep cutting it four and four and four and four and four and four and four. And by the time you get done cutting this up, let me ask you a question. When it's time for me to give you a piece of that pie, what does it look like? Well, you'd have to redefine everything. Exactly my point, because that piece of pie that you're going to get is so cut up in so many pieces that it's not a full piece and it's floppy and it does, it's not going to give you any substance. So mm-hmm. now let's re- that, relate that to the human being. I'm born. Boy, girl. Male, female. Mom, dad. Sister, brother. Now, you, you've been cut that many times. Then when we get adults, sexual preference. Lifestyle preference, politics, culture, religion. color, religion. Start, you can break it all the way down. Now you start cutting these eyes, you start cutting these up over and over and over and over and over and over again. And then try to get a piece for yourself. Just not, and this is what I mean. Get a cut a piece for yourself. Because the other pieces wasn't cut for you. They were cut for who you were trying to keep for someone else. Oh, that's good. I love it. Now. Take the piece for yourself and you realize it's floppy, it's not appealing to eat, 
It's still going to taste all right, but it don't have the satisfaction mm-hmm. because you have cut up your pieces in so many pieces. How can you define yourself with that? And then people walk around trying to figure out, well, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And then you're seeing it in the world if you watch TV, which I don't watch a lot of. But if you see it in the world, ask a person, hey, what's going on? And they can't tell you. They want to be late. And you can't. You, you were never led when you were when you were a kid. Think about it. Your parents can't tell you nothing when you was a baby. Don't touch that. Don't do this. Don't do that. You touch it and doing it. You just looking at them and they say it. No, you cry. <laughs> and it was like, you know, but you never took it on. You just did your own thing. And I followed that. I followed that. And I like to give this. The inner child. Your inner baby. We're told to grow up. Right? We're told to grow up. Now, to your mother and your father, depending on where you are and your sisters and brothers, you have a place. Oldest, middle, or baby. Right? Now, Let's go with the baby because you're always the baby to a higher power. You're never grown. Never. But it's your job to take care of the inner baby or the higher being to bless you. But if you're taking if you're taking your baby being and saying I'm an adult and I don't believe A, B, C, and D, and it says you could talk about the, the camel and the what they call it, the needle head, mm-hmm. that's where that comes into play because you can't fit a camel through the eye of the needle because you're not it. We take our baby and we say, I was a baby. I am now grown. And I make my own decisions. So we take this baby, this inner self, this inner love, this inner caring, and we give it to people. Here, take my baby and take care of it. And relationship, religion, Whatever, they'll take it and somebody, they, they eventually start kicking that baby, telling you what you don't do well, telling you what you don't do good, telling you what's the worst thing about you. And then they give you back your baby and you look at this baby self and you start doing the same thing over and over and over again. And that's where the self work done because you need this baby in order to get what you need in life. And most people put it down at 25. They put that baby down at 25 and they start following other human beings to take care of their baby. And then when they wake up at 50 or 60 years old, they can't figure out what happened to their life. Or who they are. Perfect. Or or why their marriage failed or, you know, a million other things. Because there's so many variables in, in the changes that you've gone through. And as long as you're living for someone else, you can never be who you truly are yourself. Then you only have bits and pieces of it. I am God and there is no God beside me. So if that's the case, then that means that you are to always, 100% always take care of self first. Think about it. You have children or you have a parent that's elderly. You, you get, you fall sick. Now you're two sick people in the house. Nobody's taking care of nobody mm-hmm. because the person who was able to take care of themselves didn't. They gave their self-care away until they paired. And we're not supposed to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the faith aspect of life, the faith and reality, and the difference versus prayer and believing. Because one is not the same as the other. Most times, although most people have not figured that out. What is faith to you when you think about Let's use a sick person as an example. Let's say, God forbid, you have someone sick in your family and you want them to feel better. You want them healed. What what is faith to you when you think about the process of getting what you want for that person and believing that it can happen? So for me, faith, I had a test of it. I'll share my story. When I was playing, when I was playing, I was very, very religious. <laughs> I stayed, I stayed I was non-denominational, but my religion was being God, trying to be the best version of a God self to be, right? Mm-hmm. And going to the going to this place and telling them and asking in my work. 
asking you. That's what we go. Well, you kind of, that's what I think it is. I, this is me. You go to church and you're like, I've done this and I've done that. And that's what I did. So I was, I was, I had a tryout. Uh, I had a tryout and I did well. When I say I did, I was praying, taking my vitamins. I was doing the Hulk Hogan thing. You know what I'm saying? I was doing it all. <laughs> and, and so, and I went in and I played well. When I say I played, I played well. Man. I played well enough that the general manager of the club came to me and said, you're amazing. But I don't know why the coach didn't pick you. I'm going to ask him why, but I don't know why. And I and that bothered. I I, I was uh, I was that was in Indiana, and I drove from Indiana back to Michigan. And I was I was in a bad state because I didn't like hearing it. It was like it was a crushing blow for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how can I be better, but not pick? Here it goes. Faith and self. I didn't pick myself. You didn't think, do you think that was that you, think myself. you were worthy of it? I didn't pick myself. So I'm gonna show you. So I had a friend, a friend of mine, I said, Hey, you know this coach? And he said, Yeah, I know coach. I'll call, right? Now, not thinking that they probably had a bad relationship. He went to Michigan State. That coach was at Purdue. That don't work. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know how those favors work, but I asked a man to do it versus asking my inner God to do it. And when I got there, I played my hardest, but I didn't have any faith in myself that my skills was going to carry. I had already sent word ahead of me that I wasn't, that I needed help and I did not. And so that faith there is, and I had to sit down and I cried that day. And that was a Saturday, Sunday morning. I went to church. Now, I'm going to tell you this story because this was pretty interesting. I went to church that morning and I was crying. I was upset and I was angry at God. I was mad. And I was in the park. I drove to church, but I didn't want, I did not want to go in. When I said I didn't want to go in, I did not want to go in. I was like, I don't want to go in. And I was, I called my mom. I was like, why? Why am I doing this? And nothing's happening. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm being the best person I can be. I don't bother nobody. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. I, I do everything I'm told to do. I, I obey my parents. And I'm still not winning. Mm. And she said, don't leave. Yeah, <laughs> she said, don't. That's all she told me. Don't leave. Go in. Don't leave. And I was like, I didn't want to hear that either. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. So I hung up the phone and I was sitting in my truck. I don't want to go in. Go in. This is back and forth. Faith. Mm-hmm. So my mother saying, don't leave. I was like, I'm here. I might as well go in. But I ain't clapping. I ain't doing none of that. <laughs> Not participating today. I ain't participating, but I'm going. I, you know, and I was, you know, so I did that, right? And so I go in and I sit in the back. And then praise session, people clapping and singing. I'm sitting there, arms folded. And I'm just sitting back and I'm listening. I'm like, just give me my message so I can go home. Right. And, and so I'm sitting there. The lady behind me, use my language. She slapped the hell out of me in the back of my head. She slapped the hell out of me. When I said the back of my head, slapped the hell out of me. I turn around. I look at this lady. She didn't look at me. You didn't know she hit me. None of it. Oh, I was sitting there like this. I, I grabbed my hand. I kind of was like, and I was looking at her like, why oh, you hit me, right? You know, she never looked at me. Never looked at me. Wow. I'm right in front of her. She never put her eyes on me. I look at her. I turn around. And I say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I started clapping and singing the song. I didn't really know, but I was trying. Oh man, and I was like, wow, right? And the message was, keep going. There was no words. But she, I mean, that lady, or was it? That's the only question I could say, or was it? So, you know, and, and faith. And I, I have two stories of faith. I was on an airplane going to California uh, for a tryout and uh, on the plane and I'm relaxed. I always, and I, I used to always fall asleep. Quickly, get on the plane. 
got to go to sleep because I don't want client to me back then was a little nerve right mm-hmm. so i say go to sleep something happened i'm asleep so and i'm sleeping and we get up in the air eh, about 30 minutes that plane said everybody's screaming i wake up and i was like and all i just screamed was jesus that's all i, I was like jesus that plane stopped moving turbulence and all we landed and when we landed, the, the pilot gets on the thing and he says, welcome to California. Uh, weather is this and another, blah, blah, blah. And thank God we made it. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, interesting, right? And I'm like, wow. And my other one was when I was graduating from grad school. I was leaving. I went to, I went to college and I went to grad school in uh, South Dakota. And it was snowing as I was leaving. It was in December. I had just got done. Now I'm all excited about going home and just being my friends. Snowstorm comes in. And I'm on the side of two semis. And and, uh, my bed wasn't heavy and I had a pickup. And my truck got caught in a rut. So I'm headed east going home. And my truck hit a rut. And I went from facing east to sliding west. Facing the trucks, and I passed the trucks this way, but I was backwards, mm-hmm. and I went across them into the field, and I was like, "Oh God, please, Jesus!" It felt like somebody was hugging me as I was headed towards this pillar that holds up the real big signs that my truck was going to hit. Mm-hmm. I went between the signs; I didn't hit it. I my truck caught some most of the snow because there's a lot of snow in that field. My truck rolled over three times sideways. Boop, 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 boop. Landed in the ditch. It was up sideways. Now, I watched a lot of TV as a kid. Duke's a hazard, you know, all these, these things. And when a car flips over, what's the first thing it do? It blows up. So I'm in the car like, ah, I'm going to blow. And, <laughs> and so, so I hit the seatbelt, but the truck was off. It, no noise. And I had to climb out. My truck was on its side. I had to climb out the truck. So I rolled down the window and climbed out. Now I'm sitting on my door, but my truck is up. Mm-hmm. Right? And the wheels are up. And I'm sitting. And I'm and it just starts this light snow. Real, 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 real light snow. But it was coming down. Quiet. I'm talking about it was quiet. And I'm watching this. You can hear the snowfall. That's how quiet it was. Just hearing the full snow. And I'm sitting there. Now, I just flipped over my truck, and I'm sitting on top of the truck, and I'm like sitting there. I must have been in shock. The truck driver, who I went in front of, stopped the semi. And he walked out to the field to see if I was okay. And he walked out, and I jumped down off my truck. And I and I, dro- I had to jump down and drop down to this ditch to walk out of the ditch. Mm-hmm. And I came out. He was, and he's just like this. I, I'm going to say how he said, God damn, boy, I ain't never seen anything like that in my life. <laughs> you are you okay? I said, I I am. I've been driving 30 damn years and I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. <laughs> Somebody must really love you. You must have your name must be written in somebody's book. Wow. And he said, You should be dead. Just like that. And he, he said, Well, I called the sheriff and I told him where you at. They'll be coming. But boy, I don't know what you have done in your life, but it must be good. And he walked and he walked back to his semi. And before he got in the semi, he looked back and he stared at me and he looked at me as if he had never seen me like that in life. Got in his truck and he left. Faith. That's faith. Every time I've been, I just scream it. I, I don't know what that does, but my conviction stops everything. Faith. I'm just convicted that I believe what is in the book. The book says image and likeness. It says, I said, let there be light. And it was. And if I'm image and likeness, what comes out of my mouth must be image and likeness. And I just really roll with that. I don't, I, I stick with my faith in that, that if it says I made an image and likeness, everything about me is image and likeness. And it says all things are good. And God, good. 
So if I speak good about myself and I'm image and likeness, I must recoup what the good is if I'm speaking it into existence. But if I'm sitting here and I'll, I'll show it. When you hear a person say they're sick all the time, what is the evidence of their life? They are what? Sick. If you hear a person say they broke all the time, what is their, what are they demonstrating? They're broke. Now, you hear a person saying, the Bible says, let, let the weak man say, I am strong. So change your, change your language. Change your language to your faith of yourself and what you really believe in, whether you want to call it God, Allah, Jeff, Joe, whatever you want to call it, because it says, I'm known by many names. So you can call it what you want to call it. Mm -hmm. But your faith inside of who you, but this is, I'm going to say, who you say you are, you must say, wherever you say your, your, your true, your God essence is, who you say God is to you, you must demonstrate. So if you say your God has sickness in his life, then you're going to see sickness. If you say God is nothing but health, which he is, because I don't see nothing but health, and I say I'm healthy, I must demonstrate it because God said, let there be light in their wounds. And I, I just, that's my, that's what I wrote for myself. Do you think we as a Western, the Western civilization or the Western part of the world, whatever you want to call this region, if you will, gets too hung up on the old man in the sky version of God versus like how much of God is actually within us and how much power we actually have within us to mm -hmm. change things that maybe we get too hung up with the, with the rules and the, and, and the idea of, of this man, if you will, I can't help but think it's bigger than that, but you know, what's your take? Well, as a kid, I literally read it. I read it and I, and I tried to live it. And I would imagine, as I was reading the stories, I would just imagine how, how the master teacher, I call the master teacher Jesus, came through because it's just a teacher. The master teacher came in and showed things that he did. But he also said, don't be surprised that you can do these things too. Mm -hmm. Right? I'll use it in this way. It says Jesus walked on water, right? At now, if you take it in two ways, it says the Bible, if you read the Bible, it says Jesus spoke in parables. That means two ways, physical and spiritual. Now, the physical way he spoke, he said he walked on water. So I'm going to go with the spiritual essence. Jesus walked on water. Me and you could do it. We can walk on water too. Now, it depends on the time of the year. I'll take you up to Lake Erie in the wintertime in December, and me and you go walk on water. But the, the 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 Sadducees and the Pharisees from the Bible or the people who say that's not real would say that's ice, that's not water. But the origination came from what? Water. So I'm literally walking on water. It's just a time of year. You call it ice. It's still the same. Mm -hmm. It's still the same. I can walk on water when it's ice, but it's still water. Now, we take that into how we live our life and how we speak. Your faith will be what you say it is. You doubt yourself. Think about it like this. If I put, when I played basketball, at any point in time that I doubt I couldn't make a basket, I would be sitting next to the coach. I would be sitting next to him. I wouldn't never have done what I'd done because I never doubted myself. And this is how you speak about yourself. How do you speak about you? When you see, when you make a mistake, do you call yourself stupid, dumb, or unintelligent? Or do you say, man, I just learned something. Man, I just learned something. And, and mostly depending on how you were taught to speak to yourself is what you get. I literally take pride in saying I'm the greatest. I literally take pride in saying everyone else is great. Even when me and you talked and we met, I'm like, man, you, you're doing great things because Greatness, think about it like this, we're magnets. If you talk about bad, you're going to get it. If you talk about good, and me and you were talking about the goodness of what's good versus the God inside of me and the God in the sky, because once I tell you that there's a God in the sky, you have no power. Now, once you have no power, then what do you need to follow? You need to follow man. 
You need a you need a leader. And you need this leader to tell you what to do. Preacher, priest, whatever you want to call them. You need these leaders, church leaders, deacons, mm-hmm. whatever you call them. Now you need them to image, now you need them to translate to you because people like to say, do not lead into your own understanding. And who the heck said understanding am I supposed to lead into? Right. right. And then people put their trust into this guy who went to college to get a degree in the Bible. I didn't have to go. I didn't have to go do that. I just kept reading and reading until I understood. Mm-hmm. And, it, and once you understand that it's you, then no one outside of you can lead you because they're only it's only their opinion of themselves. They can't lead you. And so I, I it, it's it's kind of that we have been told since we were little that you must go there. That guy has the answer because he's in that building. That building says he knows what he's talking about. But when you go to the buildings like I did, because I, I, I did a journey. Um, my brother had passed in 1990, the, the winter of 96 going into 97, he passed. And he was he had picked up a mission, so to say. And he was he was talking to everybody. And I kind of picked that up. I went to every church that I could just to sit and see. And what I found is that every message was almost identical. Nothing was different. Nothing. Other than what, other than how much money they wanted you to give and what time. That was different. That was, you know, they did that at different times, you know. Right. Other than that, you know, they their words, they're saying, they're, you know, and I realized that nobody really has answers. They don't. And they're telling you what they think they know. But if you think you know something, then a thought versus physically knowing and feeling. Mm. That's good. Thoughts and feelings are different. Yeah. Because if you think about as as we are creatures, your feelings make you, your feelings is what keeps you safe. But then we'll go and ask another person, well, I feel this way. How do you feel about it? Oh, I feel this way about it. Okay, I guess I'll just go with your feeling, not mine. And that is that's self-defeatist to me. I use this word lightly into a further mindset of enslavement of self-worth. Yeah. Of yeah. depending upon others for your answers. Yes. Yes. Well, we're good God. This time has flown, man. I don't know that I've ever, I'm looking down like dang. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I've ever done a podcast uh, that has gone this fast. Uh, that I've felt like it's gone this fast. Okay. I wanted you on here, man. It, it just, I really enjoyed the time I met you in Phoenix, uh, just, just listening to, to you talk. And, and so hopefully this is one of many conversations we'll have throughout. Absolutely. But um, so last question, if you were given a world stage, the world is watching and you were given five minutes, not that you have to take five minutes on this, but to, to basically tell the world what you think the world needs to hear. And and to give them a little bit of insight into into Timothy Burns, what what would you say to the world? Believe in yourself, no matter what. I don't care what you see. I don't care if it looks bad. No matter what. Don't never. Don't never. That's a yeah. Believe in yourself as much as possible. And even when you out, you'll go. If you look at Elon Musk, don't look at his story. Dude always doubles down on himself, no matter what. Listen, if you go read about him, he doubles down on him. People say that's not going to work. He doubled down. They say that's not going to work. He tripled down and proved them wrong. So that means that you can't be defeated. You cannot. If you walk in your power, which is you, your name, who you are, walk in your power, you will accomplish way more than you ever thought you could just believing in yourself and not telling yourself, no. Love it. And if I had been world stage, believe in yourself because you are God in motion. Whether you want to believe so or not, it doesn't matter. I use the analogy of a lamp plugged up in your house. I can take the lamp, take the bulb out, turn, 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 plugged in. And I ask you, do you want to stick your finger in there? The answer is what? No. No. 
because you know 100% that electricity is still flowing through that lamp, no matter if light bulbs in it. So no matter if you're, your noggin is connected or turned on, you're still connected to the power of God, whether you are aware of it or not. Once you become aware of it, then you become the power of the light. And you become the light and people will follow you and see you and all of that. But if you decide that you're not, you don't think you plugged in, go, go stick your finger in the wall and so, see how much power is in there. Mm-hmm. That's how much power is in you and more. You'll wake up then. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or die. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. Have me stand up. Everything. Have me fro. Yeah. Well, brother, man, I just want to acknowledge you for for chasing yourself and chasing truth and chasing faith and um, it just you really inspired me. I can't tell you enough uh, when I, when I was out there in Phoenix the other week and and it just. I think you I think you're hungry for for greatness and, and you're you're living it. You're you're a living testimony of it. One, but you're never satisfied. You keep digging, you keep you, you know, you keep just just trying to find the truth for you. And and I think that's just one of the coolest things that anybody can ever the coolest place in life anybody could ever be at is to find that truth for them, regardless of the of of the exterior and the surroundings. And and I'm just really inspired by you on that. And so for for our listeners, if they want to connect with you, work with you, I know you you know you run a business uh, for identity theft. If someone is needing help with that, how do they find you? How can they follow you? Whether it's uh, social media, website, uh, and we'll put all of that in the show notes as well. But uh, just you know, how would you advise someone to to find you if that if they're trying to to get to you? Well, you can find me on at, at, my email is Timothy Burns Jr. at New Life Enterprise LLC.com. That's my that's my email address. And then my social media, you can find me at Timothy Burns on Instagram. You can find me at Timothy Burns, Timothy Burns Jr. on my Facebook. Uh I have a pink jacket on because I, I when I have a pink jacket, I'm pointing directly at you. And uh, or you can and my Instagram is also identity theft protection. Uh, as soon as you come up, you'll see my picture, same pink jacket with Phil. So I, I'm out there and uh, I tell people that the best they can. Right now, we're in a new world order of data. And because we're in a new world order of data, you must protect yourself. If you're not protecting yourself. You are sending line to be victimized. And when that victimization comes, there's no answers. There, that is a long road to recovery to fix your financials. And so if you ever want to have a conversation with me, just connect with me. And I'll send you the things that you need in order to protect you and your family. And we we specialize in children as well, protecting kids, identity theft, uh, at, at social security numbers in their future. And that's what I'm really that's what I'm really excited about is making sure that our kids have uh, the future that they want. Amen. All right, brother. Hey, man, this has been an absolute pleasure having you. And uh, hopefully we can do it again. I, I appreciate I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. This has been a blessing. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.